Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is The Athletic's Dedicated Blue Jackets podcast, Aaron Ports, I'm with you on a Thursday. It is good to be back, kind of. I hope you can't hear it in my voice. We're fighting through a little bit of COVID here. Uh, I've been away from the team and the rink the last couple of days. It's kind of driving me crazy. Um, But thankfully, we've got Bob McElligot here, radio voice of the Blue Jackets, to join us in this edition of Front and Nationwide to bring it all into uh, perspective. Bobby Mack, thanks for being with us. Well, I'm glad to be with you. I know we were supposed to do this a week ago, so That's right. um, I'm I'm glad we were able to do it. I'm glad you're feeling well enough to do it this week. I've been there, my man. I know what it's like. It stinks. So I uh, hope to see you back the rink soon. Yeah, and it's going around the place, too. The co- Kenny McCudden's been down for the count. That man, that's a hard man to bring down, Kenny McCudden. Um, he's been away for the last few days. Sean Corrali, of course, we're talking players here, has been out of the lineup. It's gone through the coaching staff pretty pretty uh, severely. Hopefully it, it ends here uh, with McCutton. No no further developments that on that today as far as I can tell. Blue Jackets versus Montreal on Wednesday. Um, that's always a fun night in the barn, but this could be a really neat one on many, many levels. We could have NHL debuts, Bobby Mack, of Kent Johnson, of Nick Blankenberg. We could have the return, we will have the return for sure of David Savard. First game he's ever played in, in Nationwide, not in a Blue Jacket sweater, which is something. I can't believe he hasn't been back since that trade to Tampa at this time last year. Josh Anderson did left practice today with the Canadians. I'm not sure where he stands health-wise, but it would be his first game in, in Columbus uh, since he was traded to Montreal. That seems like it was three years ago now. Um, we'll get to all that. Let's start with the newcomers, the the Columbus Blue Jackets, the newest Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, 
It was an exciting day uh, last Friday when Kent Johnson, the number five overall pick last summer, put his name on an entry-level contract, a three-year ELC, uh, to join the Blue Jackets. Let's start with him. I'm fascinated by Nick Blankenberg, too, but let's get to Kent Johnson. I think we're fairly certain he's going to debut uh, against the Canadians on Wednesday. We're going to see this kid, I do believe, play a lot of games for the Blue Jackets. Um, a highly skilled, highly talented player. That's, of course, what you expect at five overall. But this kid could be special. Um, how's he looked the last couple of days to you? Of course, Bobby, you've got the gift of being there and present in the building. I know practices are kind of tough, but give us an idea of, of what the kid looks like, how he's handled himself, just how how kind of fun this is right now. Well, it was funny because uh, in the, one of his first shifts, if not the first shift of his first practice, uh, he fell down. So that was probably not the way he wanted to start his NHL uh, tenure in practice. But, um, you know, there were a lot of nerves uh, for both of those guys to come out there. You know how it is. It doesn't matter how long you've played and how big of a stage you've played on. And I mean, he just got done playing in the frozen four right. uh, in Boston a couple of days prior to that. Uh, he's played at a high level all year. He played in the Olympics this year for team Canada. Uh, so it, it's not like, it's not like he, he can't handle a big stage, but here he is in a, in a practice. And, you know, both of those guys admitted there were nerves and, and there should be nerves. And in Ken Johnson's case, he's 19 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, how could you not be nervous at 19 years old when you're on the ice with Jake Voracek and Patrick Line and, uh, you That's know, right. guys, you, you've spent years watching these guys on TV. And now all of a sudden, not only are they there, they're your teammates for crying out loud. Um, you know, but he's looked fine. They've had him playing with Justin Danforth and Oliver Bjorkstrand. I know there are a lot of, a lot of people that are already clamoring, get him with Line A immediately. Don't even waste any time. Look, it's not about that. It's about putting him into a position to have success early on. Don't try to jam him into a spot where he might have early failure uh, or it's going to be overly tough for him. Get get him somewhere where you can like ease him into it. And then if he grasps it and if he starts, you know, if if he's really noticeable, he moves up. That's how Brad Larson coaches anyway. And you're certainly going to do it with a guy like this. So um, yeah, he's looked fine. Um, It's good. Aaron, you know me. I am uh, because of the way that I got to the National Hockey League. I'm a firm believer of go to the American Hockey League at the very least and get your time in and learn how to be a pro and yada, 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 all that stuff. Um, I'm different in this case, but I think the league's different now because yeah. guys are guys are getting here. You used to have to be of a Sidney Crosby type talent to make this league at 18 years old. Uh, Cole Sillinger made it at 18 years old this year, and he's been absolutely fine. And he's going to be a lot better in the years to come. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, But I'm really excited to see Kent Johnson play because I, like many people out there, want a glimpse into the future. And the future that we're going to see when he plays in these next nine games is not going to be the absolute future that you're going to get. But you're going to get a chance to to look at his skill a little bit. Skill that is still underdeveloped for the National Hockey League. And that's why I can't wait to see him play. Yeah, I, I just I love this setup in this scenario. I've I've always said the one thing that just really irritated me, uh, if I were a fan watching this team through the years, are the seasons spent in vain. 
where you get to the end of the season and you're like, what did we learn? What are we getting out of this? In other words, you you go through all of the suffering, you get a great draft pick. If you don't hit that draft pick, you've essentially gone through all of that suffering for what? And in a season like this, when, when you know what's coming, you know it's going to be a challenging season. I think they've overachieved. I think it's been a much more enjoyable season than most people expected. But here's a great opportunity, the final month of the season. Instead of playing these games and telling everybody, oh, these games, they really matter and we have to finish strong. That All of that's fine. And a lot of it's all true. What a great chance to bring a kid like this in, Blankenberg too, and let them get a taste of it over the next, a sustained taste, the next nine games, three weeks or so left in the season. And then go into the offseason knowing what this feels like to play against NHL teams with playoff aspirations. Uh, Montreal's a nice place to start. It's going to be a kind of a hectic game tomorrow, but not an overwhelmingly difficult opponent, not a physically challenging opponent, I don't think. Um, so I, this is just such great experience for him. And I want I want to see... I want to see the electric playmaking. I want to see him carrying the puck. Um, do you care, Bob, if he plays center or in the middle? I don't, I don't mean the rest of this year, but I mean, I mean permanently. He's got. I, I don't want to compare the two, but there. But just for a reference point, Artemi Panarin didn't play center, but he carried the puck, and the line sort of worked around him. It can be done. Other players have done it that way as well through the years. Um, Alish Hemsky did that with great success in Edmonton for a couple of years, or playmaker on the wing, but really kind of the pivot on the wing too. Um, I, at the same time, though, I realize how important it is to be good down the middle, and I realize how high a draft pick he is. How important is it to you, Bob McElligot, that this kid eventually move into the center ice spot. And do we need to see that before the end of the season? It's only important to me because of what you just alluded to. There's still really no centers on this team. Yeah. Cole Sillinger is going to be one. That's, that's fair. Jack Roslovic has come a long way. Yes. Um, Boone Jenner is still to me going to be most effective as a third line winger. And, uh, you know, you can, <laughs> if you got it back to where, and now this is in my mind in, in speculating this. If you had a top line guy, whether that be Kent Johnson or you go get somebody that fits that bill, and then all of a sudden you can have Sillinger being your your number two or Sillinger Roslovic, take your pick, two and three, yeah. and then Corrali centering a fourth line. Now we're talking, right? I yeah. mean, now it's now it's a lot better. If you go into next year and Boone Jenner's got to be the number one center again, that's not that's not ideal. Now to get back to the question about Kent Johnson. At the beginning, at least, I don't care. Um, the only reason I guess I do care is whether or not he's going to be able to play center is because they don't have that top-line centerman. They don't have a lot. They're not deep there. Yeah. So if he can do that and if he can have success at it, then absolutely. And, and try it before the end of the year. If you get the chance, I'm fine with all of that. But if that's not going to be where his strength is, and I know that the Blue Jackets have said repeatedly, he's a centerman, he's a centerman, he's a centerman. He's played two years on the wing in Michigan. He played on the wing in the Olympics, and maybe right. that's just a matter of that's what was available. They had better guys at center on both those teams. But if if he's going to be great on the wing, 
I mean, what's wrong with having a Patrick Kane type player, right? He plays yeah. on the wing. That's right. Another great example. But, but you will have to get somebody to play center with him because I think, and I know you'll agree with this, we can go back in the history of this franchise and just look at Rick Nash. I mean, how great could Rick Nash, he was great. How much better and greater could he have been if he would have ever had that centerman with him, right? Right. Andre Kopitar. So you don't, that, that's the whole thing. I don't want to see, I don't want to see him, to, to say go to waste is going to be too strong, but I want to see him succeed, whatever the, whether it's wing or whether it's center, wherever he is going to be the best, that's where I want to see him play. But if he can play center, and I talked to somebody, we were in Philly last week, and I talked to somebody who watched him a lot, uh, watched a lot of college hockey, and I asked, is this guy going to be able to play center? And the answer was, once he gets bigger and and develops into his body, once he grows into his body, the answer is yes. So if that's all true, that's great. Yeah. But, but again, I've been saying this for weeks. Alexander Wenberg came in here and started on the wing before he moved to the middle. Pierre-Luc Dubois started on the wing before he moved right. to the middle. So this is this is fine, at least to get his feet wet. Playing on the wing, get some of that defensive responsibility out of the way. And again, if he shows that he's grasping all this stuff and you want to try it, I'm fine with that. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So, and, and you know, I think the, the hurdle for him, Bob is going to be maybe before he plays center is putting on the additional weight. The, this kid, I spent a little bit of time with him in Ann Arbor um, this year doing our, our monthly diary uh, check in with him. And the one thing that, that sort of was a recurring theme, I think I kept bringing it up because I was so intensely jealous about it, but how this kid can eat literally anything um, and doesn't put on any weight and you can, like he's not small, he's six foot one, um, but he has a hard time getting over 170 pounds. Uh, and he's come a long way at Michigan. He's got a long way yet to go. That may be really the because it's it's a hard way to play in the NHL. That light, he's he's crafty, he's quick, he's creative, all of those things. He's going to be a blast in the in the open ice with the puck on his stick. I think the things you concern you concern yourself with about a young player. A small player are puck battles, um, and maybe that's why him playing center. Another reason why him playing center at this juncture may be a tall order. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that it, it, he's he's got to get. When you talk about puck battles, especially, he's going to have to get bigger, or he's, he's going to have to learn how to win them in this league, and it's going to be easier to win them once he gets a little bit more size. There's, there's no doubt about any of that stuff. And I think, as you were saying earlier, 
one of the great things about having him play in these nine games is that he's going to be able to figure out, okay, what do I need to do? What adjustments do I have to make if I'm going to play here and have great success here? And he's, and that's just not on the ice, but off the ice, because he's going to be able to go into the summer and say, oh man, I know I need to do this and this and this. And even if he doesn't know, they're going to hand him the workout program and say, you need to do this, this, and this. Yeah. So it's, I think it's great that he's going to be there. He can ask any questions that he has at this point. You can ask those, you know, straight up to uh, Kevin Collins, the strength and conditioning coach here, uh, instead of just getting it through an email or, or on a Zoom call or something. You're here. You're part of it. You're watching the way everybody else is working out. And, and you know, these aren't off-season workouts, as you know, but just the, the stuff that they do on a daily basis to make sure that they're ready to go. The things they do uh, before they skate, the exercises they do after they skate he's going to get a chance to see all of that and experience all of that. So when we're talking about him getting bigger, I think this is a, um, this is a great luxury for him to be able to come in here and actually do it and see what the other guys are doing and figure out what it's going to take. And then be given that plan, handed that plan, be able yeah. to ask any questions about that plan before you go to work in the summer. Yep. And we'll see you in the fall. Yeah. And, and we'll uh, see a different you in the fall. Yes. Right. I was just remember when I first started covering hockey, that was the thing that shocked me the most. How Rusty Klesla left the first year as a little kid and came back the next year. He went, Oh my God. <laughs> really? Like he just he swelled. And that's what the young guys tend to do those first couple of summers. They get they really, really fill out. But I mean, John just for perspective for a lot of people, Johnson, at least right now, almost every player he goes up against is gonna be at least 20 pounds, 25 pounds heavier than he is. And in some cases, 40 pounds heavier. Like that is just a significant difference. But this, the again, can't wait to see this kid with the puck and in the open ice because he can put on a show. Um, the other kid, his teammate comes with him from Michigan. I have to help. I have to think this helps make it a, a much easier adjustment, although he already knows Zach Wierenski in the room. He knows Cole Sillinger in the room from the Team Canada camp. Uh, Ken Johnson does. He's be- he's really good friends with Jay Christensen, the defenseman. So this is about as easy a, a, a step into the into the league as you can have. But he also has his captain with him from Michigan. And this was a where whereas Johnson was expected to sign with the Blue Jackets as soon as they as soon as Michigan was bounced from the Frozen Four or won at all. Um, I think Nick Blankenberg is is certainly more of a surprise. Not just to have signed with the Blue Jackets, uh, but to have made it to the NHL. This is a guy who is just so much respect for this kid. Um, the way he plays, what he has been through, how undeterred he was in some very pivotal years by people not thinking he could play at their level. It's amazing, Bobby, that this kid played four years of high school hockey. <laughs> Outside of Minnesota, you just don't hear that in the NHL. Really, in Minnesota, you don't hear that much anymore. He played junior hockey, junior A, tier, major midget tier one after his four years of high school were up. The only time he could make a team. And then he got noticed by the the Alberta Junior Hockey League, which is the sort of the tier two junior in, in Canada. And next thing you know, Michigan sees him there and he walks on 
at Michigan. He walked on at Michigan. He became a captain at Michigan. He had an NHL offer last year. The Colorado Avalanche, we're told, offered him a contract when he was still technically a walk-on. He was not a scholarship player last year. Um, He went back to Michigan this year because he wanted to finish up at Michigan. He wanted to win it all this year. And he leveraged that NHL offer into a scholarship at Michigan. Good on the kid. Um, Was captain again this year. Had an incredible run. And this, he is a fascinating dude for me. Five foot nine, 175 pounds. That used to be unheard of in the National Hockey League. It is not anymore. And I, I do not want my name added to the list, Bob McGilligan, of people who have told this guy that he can't make it because I think he's going to make it. I get that feel about this kid. Well, you asked him about it in the press conference. <laughs> Or you yeah. asked Larson about it in the press conference. Um, what you have to do, because you were right when when you asked him, you said, you know, it used to be the standard. You better be at least six foot if you're talking about playing defense in the National Hockey League. Yeah. Right? Um, but, yeah, as we talked about earlier, the game has changed and times have changed. And uh, when we were talking about that, I was talking about Kent Johnson going right from the NCAA to the NHL. Uh, to me, Nick Blankenberg, he's doing the same thing on paper. But it's like he's already paid a lot of dues and yeah. has learned so many things about himself just because of his journey, like you said, right? Plays in high school, can't get a sniff from anybody. You know, USHL's not interested. Uh, the NAHL's not interested. So he winds up playing that uh, season for Victory Honda as a U18 and and goes to live with a coach, right? Mm-hmm. Because it was it could have been two hours away from home if there's a lot yeah. of traffic. So he actually moved and he went and he worked out and he, and, and he made a position switch. Oh, by the way, <laughs> at 18 years away. old, at yeah. 18 years old, he made a position switch because there was a need for defensemen and how happy he must be that he made that switch. And then, as you said, yeah, he goes out to Alberta. Usually it's the Alberta guys coming to Michigan to play and get That's noticed. Right. The Michigan guy went to Alberta and did get noticed because there were uh, some ties there with the, the Wolverines and, uh, and it worked out great for him. I, you know, he's when, when you listen to the two kids and you talk to them, um, I'm not even gonna say kids, they're young men. And cause they probably wouldn't like being called kids anymore. They're in the NHL, but, uh, but to you and I, they are, but when you talk to them, you know, Kent Johnson is, um, the epitome of a 19 year old. He's called him a short answer guy. You know, you sure. better have 10 questions ready. If you want three minutes of an interview, that's Tell okay. me. Yeah. Because he's because he'll learn. He'll learn as it goes along. He'll do more of it and he'll learn. Um, whereas Nick Blankenberg is just polished in every aspect. And as you said, he was a captain. So there's a lot of talking to do as a captain. But um when I talked to him when they came into Detroit uh before the game on Saturday, and I talked to Kent first, and that was a lot of fun. And and then I talked to Nick and I was like, Wow, I really like this guy. Yeah. He just makes you like him by the way he presents himself. And and I talked to Brad Larson that morning before I started doing my pregame interview with him. And I asked him, you know, I said, how much Michigan wa- hockey did you watch this year? And he goes, why? I watched quite a bit. And he said, and I'll tell you what, that defenseman, I saw him every time. He stood out to me every time. So, you know, on, on a team, it's not about the size here. Um, this is a team that is, in my opinion, begging for somebody to play a physical game. Yes. And if the five, nine guy can do what the six, two guy can't do, I don't care. Let him do it. You know? And that's what Brad Larson said. He competes every night and he, he shows up and, uh, 
and he was noticeable. So I, I don't know what he'll do here. Um, I don't know how many games he'll get to play. That's the interesting situation for me because I think with Kent Johnson, you say he's playing nine games. Yeah. Blankenberg, I don't know because you pretty much have five defensemen set. You already have Christensen in there who's, you know, he's on his audition to see That's what right. he's going to be able to do next year, where he's going to slot in. And, and now you want Blankenberg to do the same thing because he's got that contract for the rest of the year. But, you know, I'm sure if he does what they think he can do, he's going to be around longer than that. So they got to get a look at him. Uh, and, it, and it also tells me something that it was the Colorado Avalanche that was the team that was reaching out to him last right. year. Because yes. look at what they have on defense. I mean, they've done a great job at finding defense. In yes. Yeah. And they don't care about measurables either. No, 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 no. They, they, that's a, obviously I feel safe in saying this without talking to Chris McFarland or anybody with the avalanche. That's a character signing. Yes. Right? Character. Correct. Signing. And um, so I, I'm really, I'm excited. I am as excited to watch him play as I am Johnson or, okay, maybe just a little bit less because of what we've seen from Kent Johnson, but it was a surprise to me. And, uh, you know, he did say that they started talking to him around Christmas time and, and they've liked him. And um, I'm glad he's getting a chance. It's a, it's a great story, but I want to see it become a, an amazing story, which is yeah. a great story is the uh, undersized guy that fought for everything. It's a chance to play in the NHL. The amazing story would be it's a chance to stay in the NHL. And look at the way today's game is. How many teams have gone? that route and they have found undrafted college players and brought them in that have been big parts of their organization. I'm talking about winning teams, not the Arizona Coyotes right now. I'm talking about the you sure. know the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Boston Bruins type teams. Yeah, well, and you know what else is interesting is like like, you know, it's not just a matter of can you make it at that size. I, I was looking on, on the uh, site, the league site yesterday. Jared Spurgeon is exactly the same size. As he is. Tory Krug is exactly the same size. I love both of those guys. Matt Grizzlecheck in, in Boston. I love that guy. Um, and those guys all play a tough-ass brand of hockey, too. Um, yeah, right. And like, I mean, look, I'm not bagging on this guy, but Gabriel Carlson fits the stereotype, right? Yeah, big, he's huge. Big body, big body, long reach. Yeah. But he's not going to hit anybody. No, it just doesn't come naturally to him. No, it doesn't. No. And, and that's fine because that's not who he is, but this team needs some of that. And if you're going to get it from this guy, and I love the two guys that you, or the three guys you compared him to, because when I see those guys play, I'm well beyond looking to see what their height is. Totally. I'm just worried about where the puck is going to wind up. When Tory Krug has the puck, I don't care how big he is. I just want to make sure there's not an open lane to the net. Yeah. And Tory Krug never backs away from a hit. No, never. And goes no. out of his way to make one. In, yes. in the right situation. In With or without his helmet on. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. You know, I mean, and it, it's weird. Like, I, you know, you don't want to get too crazy with this stuff, but you've been around both of us long enough where you can listen to a kid. You can feel the presence of a kid, a player, I should say, the pl the presence of a player. And there are certain guys you walk away from going, he's going to make it. That kid is going to make it. And you just get that sense with with Blankenberg that that uh, he didn't come this far to just be a good story for the Columbus Blue Jackets in April 2022. I think this is a kid that's going to be with us for a while. I said this on a podcast I did, and, and I'm going to ask you if you agree with this. Yeah. But when it comes to hockey, and, I, and 
and we've been involved in other sports too. And, and I can make this argument for other sports, but I can't make it the same way I can make it for hockey. I feel strongly about this argument for hockey. When it comes to this sport, you don't necessarily have to know everything about the X's and O's. And I'm talking about people from the outside. I'm talking about the fans. I'm talking about people that do the things we do. You, you don't have to know all of the intricacies that are involved, but you do need to know people because this is such a people sport. Yeah. And this is what you just said. Like, you know, if you listen to what players say, if you watch the way they carry themselves, if you listen to what their teammates say about them, if you watch the way their teammates treat them, it's a people business. And this guy, you can just tell is good people. So I agree with you what you said. I He's here to make it. He's not here because I'm 5'9 and I'm going to show everybody. He's not here because everybody else passed on me and I'm going to show you. He's just here to play hockey. He believes yeah. in himself. And that started right. a long time before now. Yeah. And you also get the sense that the chip on the shoulder that was placed there firmly, permanently, when he was probably 12 or 13 years old, maybe younger, that it will, that is always going to be there. Well, I would think, and I'd it's like to ask always him, this, be and I might in a longer interview when I get a chance to do it with him, I wonder if that, there's got to be a point where when you're playing, all your buddies start going other places. Or the guys that you feel that you're equal in talent to, oh, yeah. better, sure. they start going places. And now you're sitting there going, why am I not going? I'm so what's, much better than this. Yeah, guy. what's wrong yeah. with me? What's, right. what's wrong with me? How come I'm not getting a call? How come there's right. not a coach reaching out to me? And, and I think, I agree with you. I, I would say that, you know, not speaking for him, but if it was me and I had a chip, that's when it would have come into being when that stuff was happening. And, yeah. and that develops you as a person. When the kid that's five inches taller and weighs 35 more pounds, but isn't nearly as good goes. Right. Right. Yeah. What? Kid can't handle the puck to save his life, but because yeah. of his size, he gets an opportunity to do something you didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Sports is crazy. Eh? <laughs> yeah. It's it's crazy where players come from. And it is. And it, it's crazy where they come from, but the, just the, the whole thing about it. And when I was watching the, the final round of the Masters the other day and, you know, with the, the double chip in from the trap on 18 for two guys that weren't going to win the tournament, right. and they knew it. Right. But, but the reaction of it, it, it really hit home that whole sports is the ultimate reality show. It is the only one that cannot be been. scripted. Yes. Cannot be scripted. Try as you may, it cannot be scripted. Yeah. Nick Blankenberg, this is a, a great example. This this could never have been scripted. It's just reality rolling itself out in front of us. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully it uh, has a long run here in Columbus. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream direct TV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on direct TV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on direct TV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. Direct TV has the most MLB games. Visit directtv.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package high-speed internet service required terms and restrictions apply um two other parts of this game wednesday uh talking with bob mcgilligan of course radio play-by-play voice for the blue jackets is the return of david savard and josh anderson to columbus now every time we go through these and it feels like every three days there's been a return of some sort either to nationwide or somebody from the blue jackets returning to their city that's because there was a year and a half of none uh, right we had a backlog of them everyone <laughs> take a number um yeah, but it 
I go, wait a minute, Josh. It seems like Josh Anderson was traded three years ago. Um, he hasn't played in Columbus. No, he hasn't. The Blue Jackets have played against Montreal in Montreal, but he has not played here. He may not. He left practice today, uh, Tuesday. No word on from the Canadians on whether he's traveling or will be with the team Wednesday to play the Blue Jackets. But um, that, that that trade, and now Max Domi is gone, uh, traded earlier this month at the trade deadline. That trade's really changed the complexion of this team and is a big part. I think maybe, of course, Panarin. Of course, there have been other changes. I think that's maybe the underappreciated change of, of what's had to happen here, this reset. And I, I think Josh Anderson, um, him leaving and Dubois later leaving, it just so changed the the makeup of this team. Um, I'm really curious about his what his his response, what the crowd's going to give to him when he comes back. I think Savard's going to get a lot louder applause, uh, a lot of applause, but I'm not sure how where how Anderson will be received in Nationwide Arena. Any thoughts on that, Bobby? Well, I think first of all, people are going to feel the same way you and I do. They can't believe that they haven't seen him in two years. Yeah, it does feel like forever since he got traded away. Um, I haven't thought about it. I, you know, I. I could sit here and I could tell you when they play for the other team, uh, I like them, but I don't care anymore. Yeah. Uh, but that would be a lie because I love David Savard and <laughs> what he did yeah. while he was here and, and who he is. And, and it was great to see Cam last week, uh, both in Philly and then back in Columbus and, and watch a reaction that he got rightfully. So, I mean, uh, you're talking about guys that have done a lot here and Josh Anderson, he did a lot here. You go back to, you know, this team getting, respect around the league and starting to earn that respect that John Tortorella talked about for all those years. He was a part of that. He was yeah. a big part of that. And, uh, you know, it stinks that it stinks that he wanted to leave. And you're talking about the three guys, Panarin, Anderson, and Dubois, as you were talking about that, I was thinking, you know, Panarin, Panarin's the hardest one to take because he just wanted to go somewhere else. And that that's hard to come to terms with, you know, what, what's wrong with us? What, what's wrong with being here? But it's his right, and he was able to do it, and it's worked out great for him, and, and that's fine. But the other two, because there were trades involved, I look at it a little bit differently. In the Josh Anderson trade, I think now that it is a couple of years in hindsight, the Blue Jackets lost that trade the minute they made it yeah. because they thought, they hoped. Let's be honest. They hoped they were getting a centerman. That's right. Not they thought. They hoped. They could say they thought. Everybody could say they thought. But it was just a hope because Max was already playing wing in Montreal and he couldn't handle the defensive responsibility of playing the center position. So they were going to put him back in the center position. He was going to reclaim his glory. Oh, but wait, John Tortorella's coaching and he demands a 200 foot game. So that was not going to happen. And it didn't happen. So to me, the first game. Yeah. So, yeah, that's right. So to me, no. Why do you say that? Remember that conversation after that game? Why you he didn't get that? benched? He just didn't play. <laughs> Why are you saying that? Why are you trying to start that right away? What? Uh, <laughs> You're the guy that didn't play him. I remember that like it was yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, so you lost that trade at that moment. I mean, at least in the Pierre-Luc Dubois trade, you get Roslovic and Line A back and, you know, you're starting to make something out of that. Um, but, you know, Panarin hurts, but there was nothing you were going to do that could have changed any of that. Anderson hurts to me because you never, I mean, 
as it stands right now, your return is a third round pick who's playing at Boston College who may or may not play in the league, right? Yeah, yeah. So, and and, and, just, I, and I've been told I've been told by people that that have seen him play and they know him and that he's you know he's he's got a chance, but it's not a slam dunk. So this is the Ruski kid. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and the Anderson trade, the the way that that just devolved and fell to pieces. The relationship just seemed so wasteful. Well, it was really Ryan Johansson two point oh in many ways. It was. It was. But again, and, and but again, what'd you get for Ryan Johansson? You got Seth Jones. So people can yeah. say, ah, well, that sure. sucked, but okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Onward. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's and and you got smaller, you got and and a lot of those problems you're starting to see now. Right. Still. Um because you try to play the same way you played, but you weren't, you're not as big. So people are like, yeah, really, but, dude? But, 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 Josh is a big guy. He never played with that nasty. Ed. I, I still felt that if he would have, he, he could have been, now he ended up getting his money. So whatever, what I'm going to say right now is a moot point, I guess. But if he would have played like Tom Wilson, he would have been golden. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. And, and people still wanted him because he has that potential, but it, he didn't play mean. I mean, you know, he could, no. fight, but he didn't want to fight. You know, it's so, I mean, yeah, you lost the size and he would be somebody that somebody would think maybe I shouldn't push around Oliver Bjorkstrand because Anderson can do it. He's not doing it, but I know he can. So maybe I shouldn't. So, I mean, yeah, you know, it, I, wasn't, I don't like, think- it wasn't like he did it every day. I don't think Anderson was ever better though than the 2019 playoffs with the the Tampa Bay series and his no. his role in that was absolutely huge. Yeah, and that's it was huge. And that's why that's why he should get a warm welcome just for that alone. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. look, no matter what happened after that series, the Blue Jackets are in the NHL history books forever because right. of that series. They gained yeah. respectability because of that series. And even what yeah. they're going through right now, once they get it back and as you said earlier, they're they're ahead of where they thought they would be at this point in time in getting it back. Um, you know, we talk about people wanting to come here. What happened then? Doesn't matter that some of those guys wanted to leave. What happened then? As soon as you start to replicate it now with new players in that same culture, it, it's it's going to help you in the long run. So yeah. that he he was a big part of that. You're right. Yeah. Uh, and let's end on a, on a big note. David Savard, who is. Oh. On a Just, big beard? Did you see on a big beard? A, a big, <laughs> yes. Um, a, just a, I mean, a solid, solid citizen. Took a, to play, took his role to heights I don't think many people would have expected back in like 12, 13 when the new regime took over and he was challenged more than he'd ever been challenged before. Really, his, 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 um, Career put at a at a crossroads. How serious is he re- is he willing to get here? And just really went to a different level. Became one of the most respected guys in the room. Quietly, um, never played the trumpet, if you will. Just a really respected guy. And I'm I'm so happy for him. He goes to Tampa. He wins a cup. And I talked to him the other night. He's now playing, of course, for the Montreal Canadiens, who the Blue Jackets host on Wednesday. And I thought this was hilarious. A, a, a French man living in Quebec and one of his biggest complaints, he misses Columbus desperately, by the way. And one of his biggest complaints, are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? I want Bon, bon Appetit magazine to write this down. 
they haven't found the restaurants they liked as much as they did in Columbus. <laughs> Thank you. Columbus, Ohio represent. Um, it'll be great to see Savard back and get, getting, getting a warm welcome, I one assumes, from the crowd, a well-deserved one. Oh, there's no doubt about that one. There was no one as unselfish as David Savard. And as you said, as unheralded as David Savard. Um, the utmost respect from every teammate. You and I know because we got to see him behind the scenes and not in front of the cameras all the time. You know how funny he is. Um, but it, what a glue guy he is, right? Guy that just right. keeps everybody together. Um, quiet, but there's a lot of respect there from his teammates. And, you know, watching him, just go back and think about the the different guys that he played with, whether he was playing with Jack Johnson and they were becoming a, a great tandem or Ian Cole came in here and you had the lumber jackets with the two big bearded guys back there blocking shots and taking space away from guys and, and having him with Gavrikov and the way, I mean, look at the effect that he still had on this team right now. Sure. And you can start with Gavrikov, but you better talk about Andrew Peak because yeah. Andrew Peak is as close to a shot blocking machine as there is on this team. Yeah. And you know where he learned it. You know who he watched. Um, so uh David Savard is a special human being. He is um he's a guy that uh I think should be looked at fondly for a long, long time, like forever by this organization because he did so many things that he did so many things that many people don't even know about the effect that he had on players, the things he did behind the scenes. Um, and it, it was so important to what has happened here. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm so happy for him. I was so glad to see him win a cup. And then, you know, he gets to Montreal. We used to tease him all the time. Every time he played Montreal, right. Say, Oh, I wonder who they want to talk to today. Savvy. You know, they always want 12 to cameras. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so, so now maybe he doesn't have to talk as much because they have a bunch of other guys they can, they can spread it out on, but, um, that's great for him. I mean, you're, you're, you're a French Canadian. You get to play for the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, that's, I think that's great for him late in his career to be able to experience all the things that he has. Yeah. And he's got a, he got a four-year contract. He's got three little kids and they all, I think they, I think both his parents and his wife's parents are like an hour and a half, two hours away. Yeah. And I mean, you know, as you, as you get, as you get older and, and family becomes so much more important in this business, um, you know, I know he misses where he was. There's no doubt about that. I, mean, I know he misses being in Columbus and the things that he had here and the friends that he had here. But, you know, those things that you were just talking about, you know, your kids, his kids uh, are getting to, they're going to remember him playing in the National Hockey League, and they're going to sure. remember the grandparents being around to do that and uh, with them. And and uh, I think it's great. I, I think if I think every player, if you asked them and if they were honest, and if you said, uh, you know, once you once you got to pick, how would you pick the ending portion of it to go for you? And I bet you most of them would pick to do what David Savard's doing right now. Yeah, let's go home. Yeah. Let's go home and, oh, by the way, four-year contract, I'm never going to have to work again. Yeah, golden. Yeah. Golden. <laughs> yeah, so Wednesday is like a nothing game, but it should also be, there's a lot to look at, Bob. I'm yeah, there is, and I, you know, we can sit here and say about, well, you know, it's better to lose because you get a better draft pick, but just that's, that's only to an extent. Like, let's yeah. let's be honest. Let's look at the schedule here and 
let's be honest about this. You got Montreal, who has not been good. I know they've been way better under Marty St. Louis. I get yep. it. Um, so it's not a cakewalk, but it's one of the easier ones you have left on your schedule. You got to go to That's LA right. and play the Kings. They're battling for playoffs. Uh, the Ducks stink, but you're still on the road. You've still traveled all the way across the country to play them, so that gives them an advantage. San Jose is the same thing. I, I mean, how many? I know it's been better in recent years, but how many times has this team won in the Shark Tank? Uh, yeah, not an easy place. You've got Ottawa. That should be a slam dunk, you hope, at mm-hmm. home. You still got two to play against Tampa, one to play against Pittsburgh. So, look, there's going to be losses in there for those people that are worried about the draft position, right? But how about get a couple of wins along the way, too? Yeah. I think that ship has sailed. That's that ship sailed in February and March when and they when they started winning again. Yeah, I mean, and, I, and they don't look at it like that. You and I both know that. You yeah. know. Oh no, they, no, no. They no. don't. They they're they're there to win. And I give it. And I think this team. I don't know what you think, but I think this team is more serious than lip service when it comes to that too. Well, you know what they are, and 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 I won't share who it was because it was a private conversation. But I wrote a thing. I don't know six weeks ago about. Looking at head to the twenty four twenty five Blue Jackets, and usually guys don't don't read stuff or they they don't respond to it. Certainly, they don't respond to everything you've written. It's really rare for them too. But I I got a text from a guy that said, "Can we talk next time you're at the rink?" And we did, and it was and the message was, you know, that hey, it, nothing personal. It was nothing in it that made me mad. Just the general idea of that pissed me off. Because we're still playing, and we may not be playing then, and it's easy to just l- scratch names off of a list and say he won't be here. Next person will, but like these are careers; these games have meaning to us. And I was like, you know, you're right. You're right. I didn't mean <laughs> I didn't mean to write it, and I don't think I did write it in a callous or unfeeling way. It just pissed him off. The tone. The idea that in the middle of one season you'd already be looking four years ahead was too much for for a guy to bear, and it was a really good conversation. It wasn't confrontational at all, like we used to have back in the old days. It was a really good conversation, but it was like you know that, that's really interesting. It was eye opening um, for me because that feeling is very much alive. And this was written at a time when this season seemed like a lost cause when they were like. Six thirteen and five or whatever one stretch when they were just got awful, um, but yeah this this group this group has battled and has cared all the way through, um, and I, I think people appreciate that. I think that's one of the reasons, um, frankly, with not much to play for on a lot of nights, there have been some really really fun nights at the rink. This is a very prideful team, which that can that's a good sign for for the base of of character. I think absolutely it is and. You know, it's funny about that conversation. I could think there's two, probably three guys that I could think of that I could see coming to have that conversation with you on this team. And yeah, uh, and it and it is, and we're we are guilty of that. You know, we're guilty of because it's also part of our job to look ahead. And you know, let's go back to the trade deadline. You know, I'm sitting out here saying, "Well, Max, Max Domi's no doubt he's going to be gone." That's and right. it's like it's so callous, and like, it's not that I, it's not that I don't care. I don't dislike Max Domi. I think he's a good guy. Yeah, you know, he's, he's, he had some good games for this team. He's but just getting traded. He's yeah. just going to get traded. He's just not going to be a part of it. I'm sorry. You know? Yeah. And it, right. But sometimes you forget. As I was saying earlier, it's a people business. And then sometimes we forget about the people. Yeah. And we're just doing our job. 
So it's, I, yeah. yeah, I understand that. But, uh, but this, yeah, these, these guys, there's honestly, there's something different about it here. There's because I've, I've been with teams here that, and you have too, when it's over, it's over. Oh, they, they, they yeah. did not care. And they didn't care about the neck. They didn't care about next training camp, let alone next game or anything like that. Um, it's not like that anymore. It's not. And, and Brad Larson, I give him a lot of credit for, um, he does things differently than John Tortorella, but the accountability factor, I think is the same. Uh, yeah. the effort is the same. The earning what you get is the same. He, he kept a lot of the, the, uh, the foundational things that turned this franchise around under John Tortorella. And, uh, and he's got guys bought in, you know, we were saying, Oh goodness. I know I was saying it until after Christmas about this team needs to find its identity. They need to find yeah. out who they are. They need to find out how they're going to play. And then they did. And I, they still have it now, but they don't have the same people in the lineup now. So they're not, to me, sure. that's why it's not as uh, consistent every night because it's, it's hard to be who they are without Boone Jenner. And yeah, and recently Sean Corrales. And Sean Corrales. Yeah. You to take those two guys out. I'm sorry, you're not the Columbus Blue Jackets. Yeah, you're because not. They, those they guys epitomize are, the, the, the Columbus Blue Jackets. Those are major drivers. Yes. Major drivers. Absolutely. Bob McGilligan, uh play-by-play voice of the Blue Jackets radio network. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I always do Hope appreciate to see you it. soon. I miss you yeah. at the rank. I hope, that, uh, I hope you're able to uh, oh, thanks, get out of COVID jail quickly and uh, maybe join us on the West Coast. Testing every morning here. Fingers crossed. <laughs> testing, testing. One, two, three. Fingers Dang crossed. It. Yes. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, buddy. Thanks for being with us. Thank you, Aaron. Appreciate it. Talk to you later. Folks, we'll talk to you all later. Uh, glad to be with you. Sorry about last week. Could not be avoided. We'll be back with you next week. And until then, take care of yourselves. We'll talk soon. Take care.